you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Let's get into scripture. I have a scripture for you this morning. But the Lord, your God. But the Lord, your God. Church, do you realize today we serve a God? Not a lowercase g, no sir. It's a capital G, the God. The God of gods, if you will. The God to which we are to serve no other gods under heaven but by him. We serve a God. Do you know also that we serve a Lord? Not any Lord, but the Lord of lords. We serve the Lord, our God, church. Now, what I want to tell you today, what I need to get you fired up today, is some of you, some of you need to hear this. Some of you having a tough season. Look, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't, want to, I don't want to stress you out too much, but I'll be the first one to raise. Who's having a tough week or a tough month? Anybody? I know I am. I'll keep your hands up. Who's having, who's having a tough couple months. Anybody? Has this year gone perfectly for anybody? Raise your hand if the year has gone perfectly for you. We have one up there. We have one. The year has gone perfect for I want to talk to you after the service. Tell me your secret. We'll have to share stories. Amen. My point is, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not, whether you love the Lord or whether you don't, there's going to be challenges, trials, and tribulations that impact you throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your year. If you're dealing with anxiety and stress, you need to hear, but the Lord. If you're dealing with trouble, if you're dealing with things that you don't have answers to, you need to hear, but the Lord. If you are dealing with a sickness in your body or sickness in your mind, you need to hear, but the Lord. If you're dealing with circumstances outside of your control, you need to hear, but the Lord. This is just warming you up, church, because this scripture is a powerful scripture. It's in scripture many times, actually. This was one of the first times that I wanted to bring it up to your attention. You could turn your Bible and find it in a lot of areas, but this particular area is an amazing scripture that goes in line with the series that I've been preaching. It's actually in Deuteronomy. It says, but the Lord, your God, turned the curse into a blessing. Some of you've got it. Some of you got it. But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you. I want you to say the yellow with me, would you? Curse into a blessing. Let that get in your soul for a second. See, this message, this series I've been doing, it's, this is the fourth part. We talked about the blessings of God. We talked about how desperately God wants to bless you, how we are to take blessings from him. We talked about how we need to prepare our cups to be ready to receive his blessing. We also talked about how our blessings, when they're mismanaged, can turn into curses. Amen? But today, it's some good news. We serve a God. We serve a God that is capable of turning your curse into a blessing. 
Church, whatever you're going through today, whatever, whatever befuddles you, whatever confuses you, whatever stresses you, whatever you're going through today, understand that God can use it for his glory and for his will, including a curse. So much to say. I think you guys are getting the point, though. The point is that our God is good all the time in the midst of when you are challenged to figure out how, even in the midst of what you may consider a curse or what you may consider difficult times, God is good. The point of this sermon, I'm going to give you the spoiler right now. I'm going to give you the end at the beginning. I'm going to give you the part that when you fall asleep, say, what did he say? I already know what he said because he said it right at the beginning. The point of this message is God intends to flip your script. It's simple. He intends to flip your script. You see, what's so amazing about blessing and curses is, is we want blessings, we do. But when we have curses, we'd be comfortable. We'd be comfortable. And I'm using curse in a broad sense of the word here. But we'd be comfortable saying, Lord, just take the curse away. Just, just I don't want to deal with this anymore. Take it away. What I'm trying to say to you is God is so good, he don't want to just reverse the curse. He wants to bless you on top of it. Do you understand that? He doesn't just want to turn your situation and, 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 and get rid of that problem. He wants to turn that problem into a lesson and bless you, church. He wants to create something in your life. We serve an all-creative God, omnificent God. It's one of the omnis, the fourth one we don't talk about. He's all creative. He can create unique things every single time, and he will literally use your circumstances to create a unique blessing in your life. All throughout Scripture, every single book, all 66, you'll find this. Look at Joseph, one of the greatest stories, right? He turned all of his curses into some of the greatest blessings we read about. You know, from damnation to a ruler, right? Look at, look at Jonah, look at his story. Look at Moses, look at Jacob, look at David. All of these stories are examples of mistakes, curses, situations that God used to bless them. Yeah, I have another one for you. Why does God do this? Why? I think it has something to do with his creativity. Yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he's all-knowing. Yes, he's everywhere. But he is all-creative. And I think he has a sense of this when he helps us write our stories to our lives. Here's an example. Here's a story that will make sense to you, hopefully. I was reading about a famous artist. This famous artist was well-known for his artistry. And the royalty in, I don't know if it was mid-15th century, would hire him to create these portraits they would bring him into his home, and they would create these fancy portraits for the family. And this is how he made a living. But do you know this wasn't his passion? His passion was painting, but not painting portraits. You know, how many of us, how many of us know it's a blessing to do what we love, amen? It's a blessing to do what we love. Now, we all know we have to do hard work. Some of us have to do work just to pay the bills. God commands us to do hard work to pay the bills. But it is a blessing when we're able to do what we love to pay the bills, Amen? So this story goes, this artist, he's in there, he's painting these portraits, and he's going through it, he's painting portraits, he gets invited to this one very, very uh, famous royalty, um, and he's in there painting the, the family, and he's now finished the portrait, and the family leaves to go out for the day, and he's touching up the painting, and he's finishing the finishing touches, and in the midst of that, the servants are going about, and the servants spill, in, in, on one of their trays, they spill some liquid um, on the wall. 
Now he's, he's watching what's going on. The servant's freaking all out because he knows that he's damaged the wall. Now there's a big dark stain on the wall. And when the uh, uh, family members get home, they're going to be so upset, probably fire them or even worse. And so this artist begins to do what he was born to do. Do what he loves doing. And he saw this mistake on this wall, a curse to this servant. He went up to it and he began to do his passion and he began to paint. And he began to paint. Hours went by and finally the royal family came home and the royal family came home and saw the portrait that they paid for. But what they also saw was a masterpiece on the wall that they didn't pay a penny for. On the wall was this beautiful waterfall with this nature scene and trees and birds all in the place of what was a big dark black stain. You see, church, he took that mistake, that curse, and he used his creativity to turn it into what was a famous painting, mural on a wall. God does the same with you and me. We make mistakes all the time. And God wants to take them and use them for his good. Now you ask me, why are you preaching about this, Sean? Why are you talking about this? Because I want you to know this message is for everyone. If you've made a mistake today, this message is for you. Last time I checked, every one of us are guilty. Another way of getting your attention is, have you ever done anything stupid? Oh, careful, careful talking to the one next to you. Careful. Everyone's done something stupid. All throughout Scripture we see this. You can look at the first book of the Bible. You don't have to get past the third chapter before you see the story of Adam and Eve. Here, enjoy the Garden of Eden. Enjoy everything in it. Here's all the blessings. Have dominion over everything. Just don't eat this fruit. Imagine their checklist, would you? Enjoy everything. Name the animals. Have fun with each other. No pain, no suffering. Eat the fruit. No, 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 that, that's not on there. Oh, yeah, we put it on the checklist. As a matter of fact, we'll put it as the first thing on the checklist. What? What? That's something stupid. All throughout Scripture, we see people of God doing stupid things. Why am I pointing this out? Because we, just like them, are men and women of God, and sometimes we make mistakes. And so I want to point out today one of such mistakes. Let's turn, if you will, to your Bible, to a story of Abraham. It's in Genesis chapter 12. You could turn if you can. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it to you. I want to catch you up on this story here, um, and it's important for my series here. It's really important that you get a hold of this. I'm going to start reading in, in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to start reading here in verse 2. This is the, the, the message about blessing. And you hear one of the most famous blessings of all time in Scripture. Right here in chapter 12, verse 2. This is God talking to Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now think of that. Is that a blessing? Who would like God to come down and say that to you? That's pretty black and white. If you read down to verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to you and your descendants. He was in Canaan. And he says, this land will be yours and your descendants will be as many as the stars. Why am I sharing all that? Because I want to get down here to verse 9. This is part of the message from last week. Was that good enough? 
That should have been good enough. God blessed him. God gave him every blessing that he could think of, blessed his family, blessed his land, blessed other people, gave him this land. But then Abram, for one reason or another, he decided to travel south. It says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. Stupid number one, travel south. Stupid number two, well, I have some famine. Clearly, God's not blessing me no more, so let's get out of town. That's not what I just read. Now, despite all the blessings, it forced Abram to leave and go out of Egypt, thereby putting the state of the Jewish people in Egypt for many years to follow. But now, look, I want to read this story because I want you to hear. In verse 11, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them that you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her and sang her praises to Pharaoh, the king, Sarai was taken into the palace. If you skip to 17, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai. This is something stupid. Abram left Canaan, the land where he was blessed. He had his beautiful wife. He had all of these things. And then he left, goes down to Pharaoh, then lies to him and brings a curse to himself and to Pharaoh. To the point where Pharaoh's like, get out of here. He knows that he's not even a godly person, but he knows how bad this is. He kicks him out. Okay, so now you have the sense of what I'm saying. For those of you who aren't Bible scholars, and for those of you who are my age, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I show you this picture. Don't! Now, I don't care right now if you know who that is or don't know who that is. That's a cartoon. And it's fair to say in this cartoon, often is the case this man was making a lot of mistakes, and he was saying don't a lot after he made all of these mistakes. And that's what this message is about, that there are mistakes that are happening, and God intends to use them. We all have them. In fact, now this is important, we all repeat them. Now what I want you to get a hold of for a second here is if we look in Scripture and we see that mistakes happen and we're to learn from them and we're to move on from them, well, what happens when another mistake happens or a third mistake, especially if it's the same pattern of behavior? Well, that's when we need to get serious, church. You see, sin doesn't just drop down on us and all of a sudden burden us. It's not how it works. We live in a sinful world, and Satan creeps sin in. One conversation, one click, one step, one night. And then that leads to another one. And then that leads to another mistake. And you see, these mistakes start building up as a pattern of behavior until it turns into a pattern of sin. Most of us Christians unexpectedly so. It's to the point where we'd be comfortable with that, comfortable in that, that we bring curses into our lives, prices to pay. Do you understand, church? And so what I'm trying to say to you is we need to be careful about the patterns that we are having in our life. And so here we see in chapter 20, I want you to flip over to, to Genesis chapter 20 and you'll see. The same exact pattern repeats itself. And this is a godly man. This is the man of Israel. This is patriarch. This is the father of the Jews. At this point, a lot has happened. Now, no one laughed at that. That's a Bible joke. You see, because t between 12 and 20, he had a, a guy named Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and 
the whole story of Lot. Okay, pun intended. Anyway, Abraham, his name gets changed to Abraham on 20. It says, Abraham again moved to the south. Shouldn't he have figured out there's nothing good in the south? He moves again to the south. And guess what happens? Let's read the same exact thing. It says, while living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah. She, her name changed to Sarah at this time. By saying, she is my sister. So King Abimelech sent for Sarah and had her brought to his palace. Does that not sound familiar? You talk about repeating mistakes, right? Well, this was a little different, you see, because this king was a godly man. This king did have good intentions. And this king was making a mistake, but God intervened, told this man in a dream, and says, quote, in verse 6, Yes, I know you were innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me. Why I did not let you touch her. Then the king wakes up. He goes and screams at Abraham again. What have you done? Why would you do this? What are you doing in my land? Why are you bringing a curse to me? The curse. The blessing turned into a curse. Now the curse. Verse 11, Abraham says, I thought this was a godless place. And they will want my wife. And they will kill me to get her. It's the same story. He did it exactly the same way. Verse 14, Abimelech says, look, get out of here. Take some of the sheep and goats, cattle, male and female. Take some servants. He presented to Abraham, and he returned his wife, Sarah, to him. Then Abimelech said, look over my land and choose the place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, look, I'm giving your brother a thousand pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses to compensate any wrong that I have done for you. Why did he do that? Well, this is the problem with reading these new Bibles, right? In the original King James Version, it'll tell you the exact reason he gave him a thousand pieces of silver. That was the amount of money it would cost to buy a beautiful veil to cover his wife's face so he could walk in and out of places and people wouldn't say, oh, you have a beautiful wife, I want to take her. Cover her up, man. So then, this is the point I'm trying to get to. Verse 17, Genesis 20, verse 17. This is the point of the message today, church. You've heard the story. You've seen the blessing. You've seen the mistakes. You've seen the curses. Did they get plagued again? Did all these people get plagued? Did all these people get sent out? No, look what happened in verse 17. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants, so that they could have children. This is the first healing recorded in Scripture. And do you know why? Because God is trying to point out that in the midst of our mistakes, he will use you. In the midst of our curses, he will use them. In the midst of your folly, he will use it for his good. Are you following, church? That no matter who you are today, whether you are a Bible scholar, whether you are a worship leader, whether you are a ministry lead, or whether you've walked in this door for the first time to hear the gospel for the very first time in your life, God intends to use you. He intends to flip your script. He intends to take whatever circumstances are in your life today, he intends to use them for his glory. He needs a little help from you. He needs you to offer them. But if you do that, he will change your life. And I don't care if you feel like you are doing a wonderful job in ministry, if you are starting a big church or you're starting a new ministry or you're starting this or doing that and you feel like God is supporting you and God is, is, is pouring into your ministry, I'm telling you today, your mind is still too limited. Your mind is about what you can do, what you are capable of doing, what resources you have. And God is here to tell you, if you hand over everything to me, I will flip that script and I will multiply it as my kingdom. Are you following church? You see, another way of saying this is God will use you despite your mess-ups. 
despite your mess-ups. He will use you. I've been talking this whole service about blessing. The last three weeks I've been talking about blessing, and I know there are people in this church who say, well, God won't bless me. He doesn't bless me like that person. You know, we've talked about how God loves you and how he intends to bless you and how he wants you to take from him, but yet there are still people who sit in these pews and say, God won't bless me. I am the exception. I'm here to tell you that if you've come into this sanctuary, that you intended to find out something about God. And if you are here and you have mess-ups, you're the exact person he's looking for. Do you believe that, church? God is good. And all the time. Yes, if we mismanage our blessings, they can turn bad. But I'm telling you, there is still hope that when things are bad, they can turn good. This is the whole story of Jesus Christ. It's written all throughout Scripture. One of my favorite verses here was one. This is uh, Joshua, I believe, when he was saying, no, this, this one's not Joshua. This is, this is Joseph. He's saying, don't worry about this, brothers. You threw me into, the, you threw me into the, uh, the pit. You meant evil for me. Don't worry about it. Because what you meant for evil, God means for good. Regardless of what's going on in your life today, if you can't make sense of it, and believe me, I know there's a lot of you out there because I hear the stories, I get the phone calls, I get the emails, I get people calling me. A lot of you are going through a lot right now that you cannot make sense of, and you wonder if it is evil, you wonder if it is a curse. And I tell you that whatever it is, God intends it for good. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, it does have an ending there, right? All things work together for good for those who love God. You need to love God. You need to put forth your effort. You need to be called according to his purpose. You need to be living for Christ. You need to say, Lord, I need you to work these things out. And when you do, when you do, trials and tribulations will come your way as well. And you need to pass the test. You need to say to God, God, I am willing to trust your blessings and your promises just like like you gave to Abraham, just like you gave to David, just like you gave to Jacob, just like you gave to Joshua, just like you gave to Job, just like you gave to Jonah, over and over and over again. I will trust your promises. Lord, I need you to turn my situation around. Amen? Otherwise, you'll keep making these. Mistakes. I want to go back to the Garden of Eden because I want to make sure you understand why I'm preaching this message at this time in this season because we're building up until Christmas to which the real point will come out but you need to hear all of this and it started right back here in the Garden of Eden it started back with Adam and Eve as I mentioned they made a mistake as a matter of fact they brought sin literally into all humanity I mean, yeah, it was crawling around in the form of Satan, but it entered humanity when everything happened the way that it went down. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't take notes here, but off the top of my head, let's see. Um, what, what took place? Well, the first thing is uh, the woman listened to the serpent. That was mistake number one. Um, mistake number two, uh, the woman decided to disobey God. Mistake number three, the woman decided to eat the fruit. 
Um, mistake number four, the woman decided to tell her husband to disobey God. Mistake number five, the husband decided to eat the fruit and disobey God. I, I mean, they keep going on and on and on here. And what happened? The curse entered into humanity. And so it goes something like this. God said to the serpent, guess what? Now there'll be literally war between you and human beings for the rest of eternity. And then he said to the female, he said to Eve, guess what? You will help populate the earth, but it's going to be painful. And he said to Adam, guess what? We'll help you provide, you'll provide to the earth, through you will be provided to the earth, but it will also be painful. Then he said to both of them, now death will come to you both. Curse of sin, curse of pain, curse of sweat and toil, curse of death, all brought because of some mistakes in the Garden of Eden. But what I want to talk about is what changed at Christmas. What changed when God decided to send love down? What changed with Jesus Christ? Let's talk about it for a second, because in the context of this message, maybe it's becoming a little more clear that God intends to turn the curse into a blessing. So when we look at sin, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, down this planet to conquer sin. That greater is he that is in us than is in this world. He's given us the power to overcome sin, church, through Jesus Christ. He's given us a blessing. He's given us some hope. He's given us an answer where there was none before Jesus. Now we have one. When he looked at the woman, now this one's interesting. I thought to myself, how possibly could the Lord have turned this into a blessing for women? I mean, they have to populate the earth. They have to have non-perfect babies now. Think about that. All of you women out there who had babies think your baby's perfect. But by literal definition, when you born them into this world, they are born non-perfect. They are born sinners. They are just born right into the sinful world through your uh, uh, child-rearing process. They are born a sinner. So no matter how much you love your child, no matter how wonderful you think your child is, not perfect. Neither are you. And we've talked about that message over and over again. That's just the that's sin nature of Satan trying to tell you your kids are perfect and they're better than any other kid. No, your kids are sinners just like every other kid. Okay, I'm past that. But how can the Lord possibly bless women? How could he have possibly blessed them beyond all blessings? What could God possibly do for woman to restore her dominance in humanity? What could he possibly do to, to alleviate the pain that she brought into the world? What could he possibly do for her to transform this world? He decided to take his own son and put it in her and allowed woman to bring forth our Savior through the same curse of child-rearing. The curse turned into a blessing. Do you see that, church? God used woman to bring forth Jesus Christ. And he was able, God was able to find a woman. When he looked at men to say, who could save humanity, he couldn't find one. So he had to send his son, Jesus Christ. Guys, we weren't good enough. You know, what happened? He sent Jesus, and Jesus now, looked back at the Garden of Eden and said, look, man was supposed to provide and out of their curse brought blessing. You see, God didn't, that God didn't force the curse to be eternal for man. You see, what happened was, is, yeah, it's hard to bring forth life 
but we are able to bring forth life. You see, the, the childbirthing pains, yeah, but that's a curse. But what happens after childbirthing? You have a baby, and that's a blessing. Do you see it, church? And so same thing with the, with the sowing and reaping. It may be hard to sow, but out of the sowing comes reaping. You get fruit. It may be hard. There may require sweat. It may require toil, but out of that comes a blessing. It may be hard work, but out of it comes a blessing. So Jesus, looking back at that, says he came to earth to do some work, and it was going to be hard. And God said that hard work is going to require sweat, and dealing with thorns. How did Jesus handle this? Well, he went from one garden to the other. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he went to deal with the greatest work of all humanity. He went into that garden to deal with the work of the restoration of humanity. It was such hard work that he began to sweat. The Bible says he sweat drops of blood. Just like talked about in Genesis. And then it said that he had to fight the thorns. They literally put him on his head and called him a curse. They found the one thing that, would, that was the most cursed, the most wretched back then, a cross. They decided to hang him on it. They decided to bring forth the worst curse known to man, which was death at that time. We curse you on a cross. We bring death to you. That's the worst. They did that to Jesus Christ. And look what happened. In the midst of the curse on the cross, he was able to conquer death and bring forth life and that everlasting. I think you're ready for the point of why does he work this way? Why does he allow blessings and curses? Why does he allow blessings to turn to curses and curses to turn to blessings? What's the point of all of this? It's what I love about scripture. It's what I hate about preaching. Because I want to be in a room, honestly, teaching and teaching and teaching and showing you the thousands of different places that makes the Bible inerrant, infallible, and completely true. But I only have like 10 minutes on Sunday to bring it forth. So let's go back to Deuteronomy 23.5. But the Lord your God turned the curse into blessing. Here's what's beautiful about Scripture. When I ask the question why, often follows is the word because. Yep, that's in your Bible. You can turn to it. It says, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because. Do you know what that means? That means whatever follows this is the reason why he does it. It's the secret to scripture. It's the secret to who God is. It's the secret to his character. It's the secret to his heart. It's a secret to why he's doing anything on this planet for you and for me. It's a secret of why he sent Jesus Christ down the planet earth. It's a secret of why we celebrate Christmas. It's all throughout scripture in every single book. It's written the same way over and over and over again. We just ignore it because we all of a sudden hear it a thousand times. But here I want to tell you one more time. Deuteronomy 23.5 says the Lord will turn your curse into a blessing because he loves you. Amen. This is not something I could possibly get in your head with one message. So I intend to start my next series on God loves you. This series is the blessed and what it means to be the blessed and who are the blessed. The next series, starting after the program, is the beloved. What does it mean to be loved by God? Because that is the point of Christmas. Starting in Deuteronomy 23.5, we hear that he loves us so much, he will, turn our, he will turn our blessings into curses at times to teach us lessons and turn our curses into blessings. You see, church, there is a bigger story at work here. There is a bigger story at work here, church. Often is the case you go through life, you wake up in the morning, you maybe read a devotion, you go to work, 
You maybe go to lunch. You have good times, you have bad times. You come home, deal with children, deal with bills, deal with health issues. And you say, oh, if I could just make it to church on Sunday, I can get a blessing. The pastor will pray for me. Or maybe some of you are doing communion at home, or some of you are anointing each other at home. And you say, well, if Lord, you just get me through this day, I can go and do another day. Often as a situation, as we as human beings, especially as Americans, allow our lives to center around what's going on with us. We put us at the center of our own life. Kind of like those people who thought the whole universe revolved around Earth. That's not that case. There's something bigger, there's something more important than your immediate situation. There's something God is doing with you and your life, with your story. He's doing it with your trials, your tribulations. He's doing it with your blessings and your curses. He's trying to write this creative masterpiece. He's painting a new picture. He's writing a new story. He's trying to flip your script. Whatever it is, he's trying to make it better because he has a plan. He has a perfect will. We aren't always in it. We are working through his permissive will to eventually get to something, something that God can bless. And I'm telling you today, he intends to flip Flip your script. Look at Paul. Do you think Paul had to go to prison? Come on, give me a break. But he went to prison, and look what happened. Look at Jesus. Jesus could have avoided the cross. He saw it through Scripture many times. 10,000 angels, God could have stopped it, but he didn't. There was a bigger story at work, wasn't it? Our own salvation, the resurrection, it needed to happen. You don't think God could stop diseases? He can. You don't think God can stop curses? He can. Why does he do it? He turns crucifixions into resurrections, church. He turns prisons, church, into freedoms, church. He turns diseases into healings, church. And he certainly turns curses into blessings. Do you not see it, church? Church. There is a bigger story at work, even this Christmas. What was once considered a curse, we now wear as one of our greatest blessings. The cross, that infamous stake, previously known as terrible, shameful, wretched. It's called by the Bible itself, cursed. A curse for us? How could he do that? Why would he do that? die in this most humiliating of ways, this most dishonorable of ways. The idea that we would worship as a God no less, what the Romans called a criminal and his cross? Senseless, a stumbling block to some and foolishness to others. Thank you, Jesus. But to those whom God has called, it is Christ, the power of God, the power of God. The cross, innocent blood, holy blood spilled. For what? For you? For love? Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah, church. He loves you so much, church.
he gave for his friends so that we might live, so that we might be free. Yes. God, in his infinite wisdom, in his always goodness, in his passionate pursuit, transformed that terrible, most wretched of instruments into a glorious symbol of love. Hallelujah, church. The cross, the cross, church, was considered a curse. The death was considered a curse. Today, church, the cross is a blessing. Do you see death to sin is a blessing? Do you see, church, do you see, church, that the entire point of what God was trying to do, the entire point of what he was trying to do with Jesus Christ is so very simple. It was put in a love letter. It's simply saying he came down to earth to tell you one more time, one more way that he loves We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.